This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Tuesday. I had to think there for a second. I thought it was Monday. A holiday threw me off. We're back in business in the Senate. We've got movement on the Voting Rights Act. Maybe. We'll see. I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to get his attention again. We're gonna play a Matt Walsh video tonight. I've been holding on to this one for a few days. Apparently, he was not on the bandwagon for freeing Britney, and he now thinks it was a bad idea. As we're talking about music, we're going to find out, is Post Malone a conservative? Multiple conservative pages post a clip of Post Malone. I don't know what the clip entails, but we're going to watch it here towards the end of the show. Dan Bongino has a major announcement that will cause the left to lose it, guys. So prepare yourself. We might lose it by the end of the show. Thanks to Dan Bongino and his big announcement. James O'Keefe. On the Tim Pool podcast, we're going to talk about Project Veritas and how their suit against the New York Times may actually put a crackdown on reporters. Multiple people have been subpoenaed. In relation to the January 6th committee, we're talking Eric Trump, we're talking Kimberly Gearfoil, talking Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, plus Bombshell, Ray Epps, the man that multiple right-wingers, we watched Tucker Carlson talk about, we watched Joe Rogan talk about it, they think he was an FBI agent and he was a provocateur. On January 6th, he is going to be testifying this Friday. We're going to hear from Tulsi Gabbard on how the Democrats have this creeping authoritarianism going on. Weird thing to say in light of what we know about the Republican Party. Let's Wallanew is going to tell us about the news we aren't hearing. Involving Brad Raffelsberger and Stacey Abrams Abrams in Georgia. We're going to look at polling that is pretty damning for the Democrats. The GOP is surging. However, they aren't winning over the youth vote. Mitch McConnell is going to take to the floor of the Senate. Talk about the tyranny of the majority. Old Lady Kennedy. Went on Fox News to say getting rid of the filibuster would be like handing the keys and a bottle of whiskey to somebody that's getting ready to drive or some shit like that. You know he had to have some kind of fucking folksy uh, saying. A meme of the day today. Feeling cute. Might not tip my server later. Plus we're going to be talking about Nick Saban. And Stephen A. Smith, we're going to do some sports tonight. We're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk football. Plus, a doctor in Texas is suing the hospital. I believe let her go for misinformation, medical misinformation. I don't know if they if they let her go. Maybe suspended her. We're going to get the full story. She now brought a lawsuit against them. We're going to start off tonight with 
News out of the Bronx. Apparently, there was an explosion that caused a building to collapse. One person dead, several injured. We've got some insane video. Fire in the Bronx. This time, it leads to the collapse of a building. And to like... I actually fell asleep on the couch after lunch this afternoon, and I woke up, and there was a press conference going on. I thought it was from the other day where the space heater caused the apartment building to go up in flames. No, 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 no. It was a press conference from today. Hey, good evening, everyone. At 6 o'clock, I'm Bill Ritter. And I'm Liz Chow. We're going to begin with that explosion in the Bronx. One person was killed and eight others injured this morning. The mayor says if it wasn't for the heroic effort of firefighters and police officers, more people would have died. Of course, this is the second major fire in the Bronx in nine days and has forced people living in several nearby buildings out of their homes. It happened just after 11 this morning. Now, the last one with the space heater, that landlord had been cited multiple times. Apparently, he was very politically connected as well. Landlord had been cited multiple times. When you have a an apartment building running a space heater, you have to wonder... Were they actually providing heat to their tenants? In the Longwood section, I would assume reporter Jim Dolan, live at the scene with our lead story. Jim. Yeah, Bill, two of those who were injured are in serious condition at this hour. This oh, I hate to hear that. Thunderous blast. Take a look. They are still clearing away the debris. Three homes were leveled. Two more were damaged. It's there a wonder more people, people didn't die. Inside this building, many of them injured by falling and flying debris. Some of them needed help getting out of the building. And just moments ago, the NYPD released some dramatic body cam video of those rescues. Take a listen and watch this. Uh, we're going we're gonna to watch it in its entirety here. And watch your little clip. This is them running into the building as it was on fire. Right, back out, back out, back out. Back up, back up. Fucking wow. Over here, over here. And remember what I always say, anytime the body cam footage makes the cops look good, they're quick to release it. One, two, let's go. Get her over the couch. Get her. Get her. Get her. Fuck, you can see the flames. Get her out. I mean, I this this building is in danger of collapsing. So, I mean, I guess they did the right thing instead of letting, uh, letting the paramedics move her. Begin tonight with that breaking news. Another deadly fire in the Bronx. Good evening, everyone. At five o'clock, this, I'm Bill. This the same video. I, it was in danger. You saw the flames right there next to them. So I know they were trying to get her out as quickly as they could. 
Now, an explosion you might be watching for here. All of us tonight don't look up. A potentially hazardous asteroid is passing by the Earth, possibly as we speak. Astronomers are tracking a large and potentially hazardous asteroid that is set to make a relatively close pass to the Earth today. The asteroid, called 7482, is expected to fly by our planet around 4.51 p.m. I assume that's Eastern time, so it's already happened. Whew, we're safe. About five times the distance from Earth to the moon. The near-Earth asteroid is very well known and has been studied for decades by our planetary defense experts. Rest assured, 1994 PC-1 will safely fly past our planet 1.2 million miles away on Tuesday, January the 18th. This is the tracking of the asteroid as it flew by the Earth. Neato! You can actually track it yourself at eyes.nasa.gov apps asteroids. NASA got all kinds of... You can spend all day on the NASA website and be incredibly entertained. While it won't hit Earth, NASA deems 1994 PC-1 a potentially hazardous object because of its size and distance from our planet. After the pass on Tuesday, the asteroid won't come as close to Earth for another two centuries, according to Universe Today. We're getting pictures, video from Tonga. The Brought on by explosion that happened there. Volcanic eruption and the tsunamis it triggered. Entire communities in the Pacific Island chain covered in volcanic ash. The Prime Minister says at least three people have died there. And while there have not been reports of mass casualties... That's fucking lucky only three people died. ...what's happening on much of the Pacific island chain, especially on the more remote islands. CNN meteorologist Tom Sater has more. A first look at the damage. Surveillance planes from Australia and New Zealand take to the skies to try to assess just how bad the damage is in Tonga after an underwater volcano erupted over the weekend, triggering tsunami warnings throughout the Pacific with some waves reaching as far as Peru and the United States. We know water is an immediate need. Countries like New Zealand, Australia, and China say they are standing by to send aid. But the scale of the devastation in Tonga is still unknown. Scientists say Saturday's eruption could be the worst volcanic eruption the Pacific has experienced in decades. Just a day before, the volcano belted out an ominous warning of what was to come, shooting ash and smoke some 20 kilometers in the air. But it was the ferocity of the next day's eruption that unleashed waves of water around the world. In Tonga, the swells at time reached heights of more than a meter high. No mass casualties have been reported so far. One British woman is reported dead. But the full impact of the volcanic blast is yet to be seen, since the country has been largely cut off from the outside world. The government says phone now. Well, I wonder if that's why... But Such a low body count thus far. Because of damage to an undersea cable, which could take more than a week to repair. That's making it hard for some aid agencies to plan their next move. We're roughly thinking up to 80,000 people could be affected. Yeah, talk, like, talking about the coast rising, look how many places were affected by this. Think about how 
much worse it's going to be with another inch or two rise in sea level over the next few years. God damn. As I said, I saw the tsunami warnings in Alaska, in Hawaii, in California. But how many of them are seriously affected? We don't know. Over the weekend, large waves also hit the coast of Fiji, some 800 kilometers away. Tsunami warnings and advisories were issued in parts of New Zealand, Japan, Canada, and the west coast of the U.S. Coastal cities in Peru were inundated with knee-deep water, trapping people on the streets. Police say two people died due to the abnormally high waves. A force of nature felt for thousands of kilometers. Officials say they hope they'll soon get a better picture of what happened in Tonga, where not even the volcanic island itself was spared. Satellite imagery shows it has now largely sunk into the sea. Tom Sater, CNN. Fuck! From Tom's report, New Zealand, Australia, and others are deploying to help. For more on those international efforts, I'm joined by... Help what? There's no island anymore, apparently. Paula, what can you tell us about how Tong- what kind of help Tonga needs right now and how Australia and New Zealand are helping out? Well, Larry, we know that New Zealand's Royal Navy has already sent two How many people live in Tonga? ...carrying humanitarian uh, aid. They're carrying 250,000... Oh, I'm sorry, Scrappy. I'm out of alcohol. So I can't... ...ability to uh, desalinate more water once they're on the ground. But I, I cannot take a shot. days, they believe, to reach those who need their help. A similar situation for the Australia... Uh, one of Australia's boats... <laughs> ...on its way as well, laden with humanitarian goods. So what the issue is uh, at the moment... We understand from officials on the ground who... Okay, there's only uh, 100,000 people that live in Tonga. At ...the airport specifically uh, have been covered by ash, so they're unable to be used... I mean, I've got some table wine if you want me to go, like, fucking take a sip of table wine or something. ...so they can uh, then get humanitarian flights in much quicker uh, to get aid to those who really need it. Now, within this statement, they also mentioned that there was one of the outlying islands, Mango Island. It's a... Yeah, it's not good wine. I use it to cook with. But officials say that every single house on that island had been destroyed. So they're also trying to organize evacuations from some of those islands which have been... Uh, I should have never gave you guys that power. To, ...to get to areas where they can they can have more uh, more help. Was it Thanksgiving where you made me take five shots in a row or was it Halloween? I don't even remember anymore. ...meters high. Uh, so you can imagine the kind of damage that would have done. And this, uh, you saw in that piece there from Tom Sater the, the images of the ash covering uh, buildings, trees, roads, r- neighborhoods, completely unrecognizable. Uh, there is a lot to be done in uh, in Tonga but of course the, the first thing they need to do is to clear the runways so that they can get the humanitarian aid in quickly. Larry? And a lot of challenges, communications down because of damage to fiber optic cables, the airport needs to be cleaned up so it's going to take a long time. So I'm assuming the airport is on one of the ends of the island that we saw that is actually above water. about if the we don't know the extent of the damage because it's difficult to communicate with people, but are there any kind of shreds of information coming out from the islands? Well, we did have the official statement from the uh, the prime minister's office, and, and their biggest concern at this point uh, was was some of those islands that they were unable to uh, to get hold of. But they say some of the outlying yeah, because people just buy coastal from property. Affected. and of course there are many uh, Tongans who are living overseas that are desperately waiting to get hold of of love. Yeah, Ben won't buy it. Speak to family 
within Tonga itself, but that underwater communications cable has been uh, damaged. There is no uh, international connection between Tonga uh, and, uh, and, and the rest of the world. There is an, a cable between Tonga and Fiji that's been damaged, and we're hearing from officials in charge of that that it could be the beginning oh, of... Look at the fucking smoke bloom coming from the volcano. This is from Friday. This isn't the big one. The equipment that would be necessary, and even then they don't know how bad the damage is. So even though there is internal uh, phone networks we understand at this point that communication to the outside world will be key. All right, Paula Hancock's in Melbourne. Thank you. And in the last hour, we heard from a Tongan youth activist, uh, Anasani Ulakai, who talked about... So that's what, that's what the picture looks like in Tonga right now. On to the natural disaster that's sweeping the world, known as the COVID-19 pandemic. World Health Organization is saying that the COVID-19 emergency could end this year. I assume they mean we will head into the endemic phase. The head of the uh, of emergencies at the World Health Organization said on Tuesday. Now, there's a caveat to this. There's a caveat to this. But the worst of the coronavirus pandemic, deaths, hospitalizations, and lockdowns could be over this year. What fucking lockdowns? I know. They're talking about the rest of the fucking world. Could be over this year if huge inequalities, oh, I'm sorry, uh, inequities in vaccinations and medicines are addressed quickly. That's the caveat, and that ain't fucking happening. Fuck, you think the USA is going to help out? Uh-huh. Dr. Michael Ryan speaking during a panel discussion on vaccine equity hosted by the World Economic Forum said, we may never end the virus because such pandemic viruses end up becoming part of the ecosystem, but we have a chance to end the public health emergency this year if we do the things that we've been talking about. Who slammed the imbalance in COVID-19 vaccination between rich and poor countries as a catastrophic moral failure. And 10% of the people in lower income countries have received one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. I am told the version. And meanwhile, we've got, pe- we've got assholes here in this country. All the rich people are rushing to get it. They're all like, oh no, you're going to die by 2030 if you take the vaccine. Seriously, somebody said that to me today. And said they hoped it's true, by the way, because they didn't like my opinions. My opinions that they were a dumb fuck, but you know. Ryan told the virtual gathering of world and business leaders that if vaccines and other tools aren't shared fairly, the tragedy of the virus, which has so far killed more than 5.5 million people worldwide, would continue. What we need to do is get the get to low levels of disease incidents with maximum vaccination of our population so nobody has to die, Ryan said. The issue is it's the death, it's the hospitalizations, it's the disruption of our social, economic, political systems that caused the tragedy, not the virus. Ryan also waded into the growing debate about whether COVID-19 should be considered endemic. A label some countries like Spain have called for to help better live with the virus or still a pandemic involving intensified measures that many countries have taken to fight the spread. Endemic malaria kills hundreds of thousands of people. Endemic HIV, endemic violence in our inner cities. Endemic in itself does not mean good. Endemic just means it's here forever, he said. Public health officials have warned it's highly unlikely COVID-19 will be eliminated. 
and say it will continue to kill people, though at much lower, lower levels, even after it becomes endemic. Now, some good news for you guys. I was talking about showing you the website to get your tests from the government the other day, and I couldn't find what the website name was in the White House press release. The government website for the free COVID test has launched early. You can go to it today. Website where Americans can request free at-home rapid COVID-19 tests from the government launched on Tuesday and is now accepting orders. The website went live in its beta phase and is opening at a limited capacity a day before its official launch. Oh my God, this doesn't even say the name. Fucking shit. The story about the site to get the COVID tests doesn't have the website readily available. It's in this hyperlink here. It is covidtest.gov. Covidtests.gov. Thank you, Scrappy. Thank you. You need to order. I think you can get up to four. It takes seven to 12 days. So if you're planning any kind of uh, trip, you're going uh, to see people who are immunocompromised, family or anything, go ahead, get your test now so you're prepared. We're going to move on to Texas. Her doctor is now suing a hospital for labeling her misinformation. Uh, the Houston Methodist Hospital previously suspended Dr. Mary Bowden for spreading misinformation about COVID-19 and now the Texas doctor is launching a lawsuit in retaliation. This is the tweet from November 12th from Houston Methodist. Dr. Bowden, who has never admitted a patient at Houston Methodist Hospital, is spreading dangerous misinformation, which is not based in science. Bowden, who runs a private practice as an ear, nose, and throat specialist... Announced the lawsuit on Monday. A former Houston Methodist doctor is now suing the hospital over the yep. COVID-19 guidelines. Back in November, Dr. Mary Bowden was suspended over her views on the COVID-19 vaccine. According to Methodists, she was spreading misinformation online. In the lawsuit, she's asking for data from Methodists detailing the effects of the vaccine and financial reports. We're not seeking any monetary gain from this. I'm not trying to get damages. All I want is transparency and the truth. A recent Supreme Court ruling upheld vaccine mandates for most health care workers. We have reached out to Houston Methodist and are awaiting their comments. I don't understand, like... She's a doctor. She should know where to find said research. Tweets from Bowden show she was in support of patients using the anti-parasitic drug ivermectin, because of course she was. It had become controversial after other medical health experts in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention cautioned against it. So, she's even, my, ivermectin might not be as deadly as everyone said it was. Speak up. Holy shit. YouTube, that this is the views expressed by Bowden do not... Uh, do not reflect on me. 
Bowden's attorney, Stephen Mitby, told CNN the doctor had treated more than 2,000 patients with COVID-19 at her private practice. None of those patients, Mitby said, ended up in the hospital as a result. According to KRIV News, Bowden said during a November news conference that she didn't like the way the hospital handled her situation. Reportedly says her her suspension and the news surrounding it led to her being vilified. Ma'am, you are a villain. Got a homa. Welcome. Thank you for being a freaking follower. You know what? I didn't turn the phone lines on. I challenged somebody to call me. Phone lines are open. 917-830-4359. I did have a call. I'm sorry. I missed somebody. Well, 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 let's see. We've got some we've got some voicemails to listen to. You guys wanna you guys wanna do that? Let's do voicemail. Oh shit, I've got an incoming call now, actually. Caller, hold on one second. I gotta change. Oh yeah, man, for sure. I'm gonna pause the YouTube stream. Caller, you're on the troll patrol. What's going on? Hey man, just wanted to say I found you from a Vosh video. Matt Walsh did some clown shoes kind of activity. And turn me on. You have a great vibe. You remind me a little bit of RM Brown, who I've also seen, like a leftist YouTuber. He started really low. He's at like 22,000 views a video. Uh, so keep at it. Uh, and I'm just, I'm wondering if you have any opinion or anything to say to. So at this point, like I'm going through COVID right now, no disrespect to anyone, but if you want, you can get them. And this doesn't apply to, you know, compromised people, respect them, no, no ill will. But you, if you would like, you can get the booster. You should be vaccinated. And, you know, if that's the case, it's extremely rare that it'll be anything worse than just a terrible experience, but you will survive. Is it wrong of me or is it wrong that when I see, you know, these numbers get big and then you see the breakdowns that these are all people that I think are voting for fascism and, you know, frankly, we, we coexist in, in a very sort of, you know, disharmonious respect to begin with. Is it wrong to feel schadenfreude? Should I? Am I a bad person? No. What was your opinion? I we we've covered this topic. I, I did a whole video on it a week or two ago about is it wrong to mock people that were spreading misinformation that die of COVID? And the answer is no. However, it, the tragedy lies in the people that they infect and the the strain on our hospital system and what they're doing to our economy and our schools right now. So it's not wrong to mock them for getting the COVID. But also, like, we, we have to have, you know, deference towards the effects it's having on the rest of us because we're all in this together as much as, much as we would like to, you know, separate ourselves into boxes. You know, we're all one being. Uh, a thousand percent. I think eventually, you know, you saw DeVos um, sort of try to charterize school systems. I think they would have turned on health and schools anyway. The, you know, conservatives, the GOP, they have a tendency to make a problem and then project it onto, you know, whatever the left, uh, that specific system. So I think it would have happened anyway, but I totally hear your point. Um, that that's all I wanted to ask. I'm a sub on Patreon. I fuck with you and that Christopher Dorner shirt. Hilarious. Thank, right, you. thank you so much. Have a great day. You are awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. 
I'm I'm overwhelmed by the love that I've received on YouTube. Thank you guys. Thank you to any any new followers. Let's listen to some of the voicemails that I got here. <laughs> Since we're on the we're on the phone line. I'm actually calling to inform them now. What what are you gonna inform me? It looks like that's all the voicemail. It goes on for like another forty seconds. Looks like that's the only thing they said. I don't know, sometimes if you're calling at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm not gonna answer because I'm not looking at this shit. Hell I'm not even looking at this shit half the time when I'm on the show. I'm sorry. Uh I've been getting a lot of trolls after the Matt Walsh thing, so I've kept the phones at a minimum. Interesting. That was at 6.35 this morning. I'm flattered that you were thinking of me at 6.35 this morning and... Hey, I feel like I had another one here. What's this one? Ass. Ass. Okay, so that was that was catching up on the voicemails from the phone. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! Now I wonder why people might be weary of misinformation when it comes to the COVID. You got somebody like Stephen A. Smith who apparently had a really bad case, even though he was vaccinated. So we're gonna hear uh, this is a sporty ball guy from I think TNT. ESPN. I had 103 ESPN. fever every night. Mm. Woke up with chills and pool of sweat. Uh, headaches were massive. Coughing profusely. And it got to a point that right before New Year's Eve, I was in the hospital New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. That's how I brought in the New Year. And they told me, had I not been vaccinated, I wouldn't be here. That's how bad I was. But yet, I've got to contend with right-wingers on Facebook that are telling me I'm going to die by 2030 because I took the vaccine. Oh. Move from basketball to football. I pointed out about Nick Saban a week ago or something. And Nick Saban's a pretty good guy. Nick Saban apparently signed on to a letter. I didn't know that he uh, played football in West Virginia is the head coach of Alabama. I am i don't watch the sports. I'm sad that I know that, but I live in Alabama, so I know who Nick Saban is. Roll damn tide! Joe Manchin says the ex-NFL commissioner left out Nick Saban's stance on the filibuster when he sent a letter to him. Let's get caught up on this. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin said on Tuesday afternoon that former NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue, is that how you say that? Left out a footnote, Alabama coach Nick Saban in a letter to Manchin supporting the Freedom to Vote Act that was publicized this week. Basically, several high-profile football names signed on to this, from, from West Virginia, signed on to this letter to try to pressure Joe Manchin to pass 
voting rights legislation. The letter, which was co-signed by Saban and other prominent West Virginia sports figures, urged the passage of the legislation that will require the U.S. Senate to change its filibuster rules in order to overcome Republican opposition. Manchin is one of two Democratic senators who do not support changing the filibuster rules. Coach Saban is not in favor of getting rid of the filibuster in the Senate, the footnote reads. He believes this will destroy the checks and balances we must have in this democracy. The others signing the letter take no position on the aspect of the Senate policies. What Manchin had to say, that there was apparently a footnote from Nick Saban that he was against removing the filibuster. Why? I have no clue. How does he think voting rights is going to pass? Nick Saban could call up Richard Shelby or his uh, his rival coach, Senator Tuberville, but they ain't going to sign on to it because they, they don't want this shit to pass. It would not benefit them. Footnote was reported by CNN on Tuesday, but was not included in a version of the January 13th letter that was made public this week and was not mentioned in a Monday press conference that is attributed to Tagliabu who served as NFL commissioner from 1989 to 2006, but does not have direct ties to West Virginia. In addition to Tagliabu, I'm sorry I keep saying it funny, (laughs) the letter was co-signed by Saban, former uh, West Virginia University Athletics Director Oliver Luck, former NBA player and executive Jerry West, and former NFL player Daryl Talley. Manchin attributed the omission of Saban's footnote in the publicized letter to Tagliabue and suggested it was meant to misrepresent Saban's position. Manchin sponsored the Freedom to Vote Act, which will uh, standardize election laws across the country, but has joined Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema in resisting the effort of Democratic leadership to change the body's filibuster rules to ensure its passage. Without a change, Democrats will not have the 60 votes required to end debate about the bill and advance it. So what, like... Self-sabotage, basically. Well, I support it in theory, but I'm not going to do the thing that's going to ensure it's going to pass. It's bullshit. And we know why. We played the we played the video of Manchin and his fucking uh, um, Exxon lobbyist saying that they can just call on Manchin to do whatever the fuck they want him to do. Late last. This is uh, Senator Mitch McConnell. On the Senate floor today, the Senate was back in session after the MLK holiday weekend. Hear what the senator from Kentucky has to say. This week, our Democrat colleagues briefly paused their quest to destroy the Senate's 60-vote threshold just long enough to use the 60-vote threshold themselves to block a bill. Every Republican supported sanctioning the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that will give Russia even more leverage to bully Europe. Most of our Democratic colleagues bowed to the furious lobbying from the Biden administration to protect Putin's pipeline. There were 55 votes to pass the bill. Why the fuck do we have any say in what Germany and Russia do? But Democrats blocked it by denying 60. Now, many of these same colleagues have spent weeks thundering, literally thundering, that the Senate's 60-vote threshold is an offensive tool of obstruction, a Jim Crow relic 
what uh, Martin Luther King Jr. thought. Should always get their way. Ah, but late last week, they literally wielded the 60-vote threshold themselves. A useful reminder of just how fake, fake the hysteria has been. We already knew Washington Democrats don't have any principle of opposition to Senate rules. Democrats repeatedly filibustered the CARES Act in March of 2020 while insisting on changes. Democrats filibustered and killed Senator Tim Scott's police reform bill. You only have to go back a few years to read vigorous defense of the filibuster from our Democratic colleagues. As you were changing it to confirm judges. Senator Durbin put it this way. We need to protect the right of debate in the Senate, preserve checks and balances so that no one party can do whatever it wants. Don't don't do the thing we did. Don't don't use the same carve out we used in order to get our judges. Unfortunately, he's still alive. We need to quote find a way to still alive and still the majority leader. Build a firewall around the legislative filibuster. And in a letter that same year by 32 Senate Democrats, our colleagues demanded. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. That the 60 vote threshold. Turtles live for a very long time. Yes. So until the last couple of years, senators on both sides have understood the Senate is not here to rubber stamp massive changes by thin majorities. This institution exists to do exactly the opposite, to make sure major laws receive major buy-in and have major staying power. And historically, Democratic allies outside this chamber but now we have a political party which will not budge on anything. Fifteen years ago, when Republicans controlled the Senate, a left-wing organization called the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights published a lengthy... So many of them need to retire. Most of the Senate needs to retire. Including, listen to this, including its relationship to civil rights. So here's what they had to say when Republicans were in the majority here in the Senate. On behalf of the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights, the nation's oldest, largest, and most diverse civil and human rights coalition. I can't. I can't. I can't make it any further. He wanted to talk about that. He says tyranny of the majority sometime in this. I hear this a lot from right-wingers, especially when you talk about democracy, and they're like, we're not a democracy. A democracy is a tyranny of the majority. Good friend, Jake Jacobs, who apparently I'm still going to get to go on his show. He has responded back and said he is indeed going to have me on. Those of you who uh, may be new and don't know about Jake, uh, he is a right-wing nut job, far-right evangelical every single one of his shows uh is like the woke mob is coming for your kids the woke mob is ruining halloween the socialist marxist takeover blah 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 i call them the fake outrage show and he was supposed to have me on for his 100th episode but he added me as a friend on Facebook, and then I like took him to school on everything he posted. But then he deleted me. 
But he talks about the woke mob. The woke mob. That's why how he describes democracy. But like, what's the, what's, if you're against the tyranny of the majority, then that would mean you're for the tyranny of the minority. You want a minority of people to make the decisions. Weird that it just so happens to be rich, crusty, old, white, conservative people that are the majority of that minority. See, see how that works? You're, you're, you're protecting your own interests. Tyranny of the majority is a fucking bullshit term. You're afraid of popular governance because your views aren't popular. And I've argued so many times that it is in the best interest of everybody to have the government represent the people. Or you you see what happens. You see the distrust in government, how we're not able to respond to pandemics, to natural disasters. It's insane to me. Rich conservative assholes and their propaganda campaign against popular legislation. This is old lady Kennedy... The senator from Louisiana on with Sean Hannity last night. He's got a folksy way of describing it. Number one, uh, the Biden administration's effort to I'm get not high enough for this shit threshold in the United States Senate is not about a Senate that doesn't work. It's about uh, a woke agenda that doesn't sell. Uh, getting rid of the 60 vote threshold in the Senate in my judgment, would be like um, like giving whiskey and car keys to a teenage boy. Number one, uh, the Biden administration's effort to get rid of the 60-vote threshold in the United States Senate is not... That's all that was. That's all that fucking was. They're, they just speak in sound bites. This asshole thinks he's a goddamn stand-up comedian. And comes up with this shit that he thinks is going to be a zinger. Goes on Tucker and Hannity and Ingram to get his his zingers out. Fuck you, Kennedy. Reason why they got to attack the woke mob. And popular movements... It's because they ain't popular with the younger generations. America's youth turn left. This is the hopeful graph I'm I'm showing you. I'm getting ready to show you one that's going to make you uh, uh, have to piss and, and vomit a little, uh, in the words of West Virginia Governor Jim Justice. U.S. presidential election party preference among voters age 18 to 29. You see this huge chasm here. 60% Democrat to 36% Republican. Gen Xers have always been a swing voting group, but their kids, Gen Z, sometimes called Zoomers, overwhelmingly back Democrats. Because what does the Republican Party have to offer them? Their economic policy does not help us in any fucking way. 
the only policy that they actually have that they are effective at is attacking gay people, trans rights, stupid culture war bullshit. The woke mom is coming for his hairline. The woke mom already got my hairline, bitches. They're rich. How do they live so long? They're rich. <laughs> there, there seems to be this correlation between wealth and living a long time, if you guys haven't noticed. Generational, uh, generational replacement will not be kind to Trump's Republican Party. According to John Della Volpe, the polling director at the Harvard Kennedy School Institute of Politics and CEO of Social Sphere. Hey, and 53% turnout rate. You can see the turnout rate among this age group. Holy shit, it dipped in the 90s. Shot up. This is, what, this is when I was incredibly involved in politics for the first time in my life. This area right here. Shot the fuck up. Takes a lull during Obama. Everybody went back to brunch for a little bit. And it is shot back up. Oh, Della Volpe says five events shaped this rising block. The Occupy Wall Street millennial-led discussions about inequality became political drivers as Zoomers came of age. Donald Trump, the Parkland, Florida high school shooting, and the March for Our Lives movement. 17-year-old Darnella Frazier's use of her iPhone to record the murder of George Floyd. And Greta Thunberg's climate strike. That hella sick aesthetic. Thank you. I think Vosh described it as a wicked sick aesthetic. I appreciated that. Now here's the chart that's going to make you go, ooh, ooh. The GOP has surged as Biden's poll numbers have slid. The percentage of Americans who identify or lean to the Republican or Democratic Party has almost flipped. That is not good here in this 2022 midterm election cycle. One of the reasons why I'm worried we're already going to have a low turnout. It's usually not favorable to the party that uh, is in power. I mean, Joe Biden's only fucking hope is something that's kind of out of his control. Is what happens with the pandemic? Do we get a new variant that rips through the country? If so, we're going to still see empty shelves. We're going to see... Inflation because uh, the supply chains aren't going to be able to get products to people. And ultimately, that's all the fucking baby boomers give a shit about, right? Being able to consume. I'm sorry, RD, I always pick on your generation. But if they if they can't buy their favorite whatever at the fucking store, they get really upset about it. And for some reason, blame Biden, which I want to know how he even has control over these things. As we've talked about on this show... 
What is slim staffing? In the supply chain, having just enough workers to be able to fill all the slots. Shipping things at the very last moment in order to maximize profit. That's the reason why we've had supply chain issues when we've seen a disruption because of a pandemic. So if the pandemic clears up in the spring and the summer and the economic indicators actually start shooting back up, that might actually play into the Democrats' favor. That is the only hope they have going into November. And that's a big fucking if. And what would they need to do in order to ensure that the pandemic ends? Vaccine equity. And they ain't going to do that. They're going to protect the profits of Pfizer and Moderna, Johnson and Johnson. Because that's what Joe Biden was elected to do. It's more than half of your generation, RB. It's more than half. I'm sorry. It's not my generation. I've shown you the charts. Oh. Let's hear about the news we aren't hearing about. I tried to play a clip of this dude the other day, and it was so fucking boring we didn't get but two or three minutes into it. This one is only a two or three minute clip. This is another one of those people that is like the same size as me. So maybe if I pick on him, I can actually get on his show. We can go toe to toe because I. If you guys don't, if you if you are new here and you don't know this, I love trolling right wingers. So this is Lance Wallanew. We're going where we got to go. We're on a prophetic kind of um, fishing expedition here, finding out where the school of fish are. And and I'm telling you where the real news is. It's not in the news cycle that's manipulated in front of your eyes. It's in in something else. It's in going on the surface. Real news, real news, guys. Talking about Stacey Abrams is boycotting Kamala Harris. It's Harris and Biden. People are missing the real story. The real story is you have a black female vice president. That was well reported everywhere. The replacement for Joe somewhere before 2024. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's. Is he saying that Stacey Abrams is going to replace Kamala Harris on the ticket? They might replace her. That's possible. It ain't going to be Stacey Abrams. Is you have a black female vice president who is supposed to be slotted to become the replacement for Joe somewhere before 2024. So they so they like that filibuster rule. Um, what? Them using it. But uh, they want to suspend it so that this, this vote can be done. They want to have every single senator, every single person on record because that's what the Democrats do uh, when they want to embarrass you, is create the idea that this is a vote for democracy and for racial equality. And it is. And get up and vote against racial equality. See how they said Yes, that's what Republicans do. What most people are missing is Kamala Harris is down there. She says, we will fight to secure our most fundamental freedom, 
the freedom. Well, 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 fancy teeth. Welcome. Thank you for being a freaking follower. Civil rights movement to the district that was represented by the great congressman John Lewis on the eve of the birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But Stacey Abrams isn't supporting her sister. She knows Biden didn't win Georgia. Biden and Harris aren't that popular in Georgia. She gains nothing by staying. They did. They did win Georgia. Stacey Abrams is poised to become governor of Georgia, thanks to the infighting with the Republicans. This guy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. ...to the president, and she's sending a message. She is Kamala Harris's replacement. She's big with Obama, big with... That ain't happening. That ain't happening. You know, it's kind of like The Sopranos. You really look to see who's delivering for you in New Jersey, who's bringing the cash in. I'm just like you guys. I mean, I I got into the podcast. I got you into are no, you are nothing like me. Aggressively, because I wanted to support the effort. And what's this weird outfit where he has some kind of hoodie on under a jacket? This is tripping me out. Of of uh, Bannon and others, and mm-hmm. in reaching out because we got lots of people that listen to us on different platforms and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I actually have social media, and it and I don't. Oh want shit! Well, thank you for the subscription, um, Fancy Teeth. Welcome. Social media platforms by coming out and telling the story, but the story has to be told. Are you thinking about clinking away? Don't click away. The whole podcast is over on lancewalnell.com forward slash podcast. Why would anybody listen to that? It was just fucking absolute nonsense. <laughs> he said nothing of substance. I apologize. I made you guys watch that. I've been. I gave him a shot to try to see if he would say something interesting. He's not interested. This should be interesting, though. Let's find out what the GOP has in store for Doctor Fauci. Should they take the House and the Senate here in the midterms? I think I think the Attorney General from Missouri had it right. It's about power and control. It's certainly hold on, hold on. Not about the I, science. I can't get it to pop the, out. It's certainly not about the facts. It's about. I can't get it to pop out at all. Okay. About power and control, and it's just one more thing that they've done wrong. I mean, frankly, I don't know that they've done anything right. What what was the Quinnipiac poll had his approval rating at thirty three percent. I think the real question is. Who are these 33%? I mean, who are the people who actually think Titty's done, done, he's doing a good job? So, um, thinks Titty's what? Every single thing. You, th- you think about the, the, the message that they're sending to, to families, particularly in urban areas, where they're saying, we're not going to let your kids go to school. We're going to let bad guys roam the street. And oh, by the way, we're also going to let illegal immigrants vote. I mean, that's the message yeah. they're sending. No wonder no one approves of what this They just make up doing. bullshit. Yeah. Stupid people think that because you guys keep saying that shit. But first, you mentioned the other day that representatives on the floor of the House were getting masks made by China. Uh, I want to get your take on this whole Chinese component here because the CCP has made it very clear. It wants to overtake the United States as the number one superpower. We know all the circumstantial evidence uh, points to a lab leak out of Wuhan. It already has overtaken the United States as the number one superpower. I'm sorry. And I was watching this clip of The Daily Show. I think it was I think it was from last month. And Trevor Noah was talking about uh, China and the deals they're striking in Africa and doing all this, this economic um, 
colonialism. It's a gr- great fucking word for it. That's exactly what they're doing. Economic colonialism. Going in and offering these high-risk loans to these countries, and then when they can't repay the loan, they built an airport or something with the loan, they take the airport from them. Yeah, that's a shitty-ass practice. It sounds so underhanded. It's way better than the way the United States did it. Holy shit. We just took out democratically elected governments and assassinated people. We funded death squads and shit. We created the Taliban. So I don't, I don't know. Like, it, yes, it's a bad thing that China is doing that. But like, in context of the way superpowers have behaved, China's doing the more humane thing. I so weird way to put it. I don't, I don't like the red scare that the GOP does with China. And fucking Maria Bonarono said it. The circumstantial evidence points to a lab leak. Well, there's plenty of scientific scientific evidence that say it was zoonotic, ma'am. I'm sorry. The experts still land on the side of zoonotic. The Fauci emails and text messages that we saw a couple of weeks ago. They debated whether it was a lab leak or not because they all, because that was the thing that we were told. They just shut down debate about whether it was a lab leak. No, they were all debating a lab leak long before we were even dealing with the pandemic here in the United States. And they came to the conclusion it was zoonotic. So until I have evidence to the contrary from reputable people, not Jim fucking Jordan, who covered up sexual assault at Ohio State University, or or Rand Paul, who's not even a real fucking doctor, then I'm still going to side with the people that know what the fuck they're talking about. And yet Joe Biden has yet to raise any of this with Xi Jinping, four phone calls with the leader of uh, the uh, Chinese Communist Party. Xi Jinping. Yeah. No, I think, again, just another example of just how weak this administration is. And contrast it to President Trump. President Trump was the first president. I heard Randy Marsh fucked a pangolin. Take the fight to China and say, we're not going to tolerate all the things you're doing in international trade. We're going to stand up and and project strength from the Oval Office. And then now you have Joe Biden where we get masks. He fucks that pangolin in every timeline. Early on in this administration. When our secretary nothing you can do to stop it. Meeting with his counterpart and the treatment that Secretary Blinken allowed the the lecture he got from them that would never happen to Mike Pompeo in a President Trump administration. Mm. Pompeo first they wouldn't have tried it, and Maria if they did do it. Mike would have got up and flipped the table over and said, "You don't talk to the greatest nation in history that way." We are the holy fuck. That wouldn't happen in the Trump administration. I just happen to have this picture right here. You remember Helsinki 2017? (laughs) Where Trump basically bent over the podium and Putin fucked him in the ass. And everybody was just stunned. Would you like me to show you Trump with Xi Jinping? Uh, Trump was definitely Xi Jinping's bitch. 
or Trump with Mohammed bin Salman? Prince Bonesaw. Come on, Jim Jordan. You guys just make shit up. The United States of America, we're not going to tolerate that. But yet Tony Blinken just sat there and took it. So, again, I think it's just yeah. this overall picture and, and, and fact that we're, there's weakness now being projected from the Oval Office. And it's frankly dangerous. It's not good for the country. So you sent a letter, you and, and Mr. Comer sent a letter to Secretary Becerra. What do you want here? I would love to see Trump's, uh, the transcript of Trump's meeting, but they kicked the transcriptionist and all the press out. Yes, we definitely are. Uh, uh, Representative Comer, myself, Senator Paul, Senator. What a wild fucking meeting that was! People put us back in charge. We are definitely going to do this because we and, and fucking with the Fox News viewers. They don't come to that conclusion. They don't like. Oh yeah, what well, well, fucking Helsinki? What the fuck is Jim Jordan talking about? I I I don't know how we combat that. And apparently Fox News are Fox News viewers aren't as dumb as we we like to think they are but I mean they're consuming this straight up lies and there's no there's no pushback from the host Without a doubt that uh, that Dr. Fauci knew on January 31st and February 1st that this thing came from a lab. The top scientists in the country were saying it came from not, lab. Not true. Not true. The conference call on February 1st. One scientist says, I don't see how this can happen in nature, but it would be easy to do in a lab. And yet just in a matter of. But day, now we have the evidence. <laughs> Write the, the article that appears in Nature Medicine magazine, which then gets cited in the now famous letter in the Lancet that became. So I'm gonna I'm gonna point out the the Bat Lady they call her the the head researcher at the Wuhan lab. Her first thought was that it leaked from her lab. She goes back and the first thing she does is sequences the, all the genomes and says, "Whoa, this isn't ours." So until I have evidence that disputes her and all the other experts. That say it is more than likely zoonotic. Why in the fuck would I believe Jim Jordan, who is absolutely doing this for political reasons? The gospel for the fact that Fauci can go out and tell people it didn't come from a lab when, in fact, they knew it did. And the interesting thing is, and we, we point this out, we just learned this last week. The two doctors who were most adamant that this thing came from a lab early on. One is Dr. Christian Anderson. On January 31st, 2020, he says this to Dr. Fauci in an email. He says, virus looks engineered, virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. So he knew it came from a lab, but they changed their position. And a few months later, guess what? They get $8.9 million grant. Both him and Dr. Gary, the guy who said it couldn't happen naturally. They get they change their position yeah. and get an $8.9 million grant from Dr. Fauci. So they're saying yeah, they're being bribed. Bull right fucking shit. 2020, when scientists warn Fauci... I, fucking grants take years. I'm sure that shit was in the works long before it was actually awarded. I call absolute bullshit on that. And Jim Jordan is a liar. COVID-19 may have leaked from the yep. Wuhan Institute of Virology. Then a month later in March, he signs his name, Gary signs his name to a paper which states that COVID-19 is not a laboratory construct or a purposely manipulated virus. Uh, we go on yep. to look at April where Collins emails Fauci about a Fox News report that says multiple sources believe COVID originated at that Wuhan lab and asks if the NIH can help put down this very destructive conspiracy. 
We follow on this Yeah, her voice is grating. That's probably why I lost viewers. Response saying it is a shiny object that will go away. And then in May of 2020, Fauci's NIH awards that. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't take another three minutes of that. Oof. Oof. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another one, though. Sure, her voice isn't as grating. Might piss you off, though. Here is, it's, once again, we're on Fox News. Welcome back. So I was speaking just now about the creeping authoritarianism we're seeing from Biden and the Democrats. And someone who's been such a strong voice on that issue is former Hawaii Congresswoman. Creeping authoritarianism. Aloha, Tulsi. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Aloha, Steve. It's always good to talk to you. Happy New Year to you as well. So look, is, is it Trump Gabbard 2024? Is that what we're going for here? The particularly chilling thing was this new, um, I don't know what to call it, this frightening new move from the Justice Department. We saw the Deputy Attorney General earlier uh, talking about um, anyone who is anti-authority being part of this move against uh, domestic violent extremists. What do you make of that? Huh? Yeah, Steve, I think it's really important to bold highlight and underline what he said. We have the Deputy Attorney General of the United States speaking what are they talking about? people about how they are standing up a domestic terrorism unit to support their efforts to target those who hold anti-government or anti-authority ideologies. When we stop and think about that for a second, what does that really mean? The authorities in our government, the Biden administration, are targeting Americans for holding anti-authority views. That is authoritarianism. And what does that mean to us here at home? We're supposed to just uh, sit back passively, follow along, put those blinders on, and do whatever they tell us to do? Let's see what they actually said. This was eight days ago. It was an announcement from the Deputy Attorney General. Justice Department will launch a new... Unit centered on tackling the rising challenge of domestic terrorism, the agency's top national security official revealed on Tuesday, appearing before Congress just days after the one-year anniversary of the January 6th assault on the Capitol. The threat posed by domestic terrorism is on the rise, Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson told the Senate Judiciary Committee. The number of FBI investigations of suspected violent extremists has more than doubled since the spring of 2020. The problem is twofold, as officials at the Department of Justice say they have witnessed a mounting threat from offenders motivated by both racial animus and anti-government ideologies. Radically or ethnically motivated violent extremists are most likely to conduct mass casualty attacks against civilians, and militia violent extremists typically target law enforcement and government personnel and facilities. This is according to Jill Sanborn, the head of the FBI's National Security Branch. Now remember, we watched last night where Fox News ran down the FBI for not being tough enough on the terrorists in their langu- in the la- in the language. Still don't ex- exactly know how the guy died, I don't think. But like they 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 didn't speak tough enough about the synagogue hostage taker. That, that undermines the heart of our, our democratic republic. That undermines the essence of our constitution, which says we have the freedom to challenge yes. our authorities. We have the freedom to stand in protest, to ask questions, to demand accountability and answers. And Over 70% of the political killings in this country committed by the right wing. And this was up to 2019. If we lose that, then, then we no longer 
have a democracy. Totally. And actually, I, I, I completely agree with that. I and mean, I'd sort of take it further. I think that idea of challenging authority and, if you like, challenging conventional wisdom and, and what the powers that beat it, that's, that's so central to America's success on every level, not just as a democracy. You could even put it into the sphere of science and art. and, and No, no, they were specifically talking about this militia movement that has been bubbling up in the U.S. Why do you think that... The Democrats have so readily lurched. Started it like you can trace it back for fucking decades. You know, Steve. I think it comes from fear. Like the current movement started in the mid nineties. That they are uh, at least you know pretending to hold on to fear that people will question the decisions that they're making. Fear that those who challenge their authority are a direct threat to their power, and that is what is so dangerous because. It's coming from a place of fear rather than a place that is rooted in the fabric, in the heart, the essence of the Constitution of the United States of America. The the very document that guides us and, 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 uh, you know, reminds us. What is? What? Evidence. Uh, And when people are motivated by fear of losing power, you see the kinds of results that we're seeing where they're willing to say or do whatever they feel they need to to hold on to it. Forgetting about the American people. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's so fantastic that you're speaking out so strongly on it. Um, there's another issue that you've been in the lead on. Uh, it's a big issue. I can't believe that if Bernie had have, like won the primary and went on to the presidency in 2016, she probably would have been Secretary of Defense. It's wild to me. Once it... We got into it last night. Smart people can convince themselves of a lot of shit. Cognitive dissonance is a hell of a drug. Issue. I know we don't have too much time, but I just would love your take because it's very much emerging as a big story, which is the whole situation. You know, it looks like we may be heading towards yet another entanglement in a foreign war with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Look, it's not a straightforward issue. My family's Hungarian. Um, when the Soviets invaded Hungary um, and the West didn't come into Are they pro-Russian now? What the hell? Cause a lot of, you know, left people with years of Soviet oppression. On the other hand, I think, would I send, would I be happy for my son to go and fight in Ukraine uh, and, and to, to, to protect their freedom? And who's, who's even talked about sending ground troops? I'm, I'm assuming it would be a NATO action, if anything. But we don't want to get sucked into these military conflicts. You've got the intelligence services out there putting out all this information, looking like they're kind of um, wanting to take us into war again. And I, I, I don't think we're going to go to war with Russia. That ain't happening. This, this brings us back to the, to the last point, is our leaders should be acting in the best interest of the American people and our country. And unfortunately, I don't even know what they're talking about. We have warmongers and people like Jake Sullivan and Tony Blinken who were uh, had a very strong hand in being the architects of regime change wars in Iraq, in Libya, in Syria, mm-hmm. and they're the ones who are influencing the decisions that are being they made. did. Uh, this White House, they are stoking tensions. They are escalating the situation. I, I really thought um, that was Dick Cheney, the project for a new American century. In our country. Let's be real about what we're dealing with here, Steve. We're talking about the United States and Russia, two great nuclear-armed powers right. in the world. There is only one place 
that 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 conflict ends. That ends in destruction of this world and life as we know it. Don't be naive. Don't be shy about pointing out. Weren't they just talking about fucking fear mongering? That's what people in the White House and leaders in Congress from both sides of the aisle refuse to tell them the truth. So the Justice Department is acting on the very real terrorism threat in this country from these right-wing militia groups, and they call it fear-mongering. And then in the the very next topic, he's like, well, that ends a nuclear war and the mutual destruction of everybody. I did just see that, right? Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Yeah, yeah, I do. Let's talk about some Rudy. Uh, creeping authoritarianism from the Democratic Party. Tulsi Gabbard saying it undermines the heart of our Democratic Republic. You know what undermines the heart of our democratic republic? A coup. A coup attempt. January 6th committee has subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell. House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot released its latest round of subpoenas on Tuesday evening. Time focusing on several of former President Trump's lawyers, including Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, and former advisor Boris Epstein. Uh, as, as well as Jenna Ellis. I don't know why that didn't make headlines there. Committee Chair uh, Benny Thompson said in a statement that he expects the four individuals to join the nearly 400 witnesses who have spoken with the select committee. One of those that have spoken with the select committee is Ray Epps. This is published by PolitiFact today. If you think you've heard that name before, that is the dude that Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan been claiming or uh, have been claiming is an FBI agent. There remains no evidence to support the conspiracy theory promoted most prominently by Fox News host Tucker Carlson that the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol was actually a false flag event orchestrated by the FBI to entrap Trump supporters. Ray Epps, an Arizona man who Carlson and other figures have held up as a possible undercover FBI agent or informant, said he has no ties to the FBI in an interview with the House Committee investigating the attack. Rally Runner, another man singled out on Carlson's show, said on video that Carlson's segment suggesting he was a federal agent was a false story. I assume that's the guy that painted himself in red. Justice Department hit Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes with sedition charges on January the 13th. Until then, Rhodes was listed as Person 1 in charging documents, helping to fuel unsubstantiated claims from Carlson and others that the presence of such unnamed, unindicted co-conspirators in those documents was proof of an FBI false flag. House Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol dealt a fact-based blow to efforts to rebrand the insurrection as a false flag orchestrated by the FBI. Apparently, Epps is going to testify, perhaps publicly, this Friday. 
I think I saw that from a right wing. But this is the Washington Examiner is saying he's going to sit for a transcribed interview. This is going to happen with the select committee on Friday, but the PolitiFact article that we just read said he has already spoken with the January 6th. Yeah, told him during an interview in November. So if they're having, if, if that was just a question and answer session, blah, 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 then that means like they're having him come down and get him on the record about shit they're going to try to entrap people on. I was hoping this would be a public interview, but if they're they're having it transcribed and shit, then that's not going to be public. Because they're gonna they're gonna put him on the record now. Ask him about fucking roads and shit. Oathkeeper that was indicted, and they're gonna try to catch people up in lies in the public testimony. Now, the six committee also subpoenaed not the people, just the records, just the records of Eric Trump and Kimberly Guilfoyle. Because, you know, why would you want to speak to either of them? I thought it was funny that Eric hadn't come up in any the of this January shit. I just assumed because, you know, he's Eric. Phone records of two key people very close to former President Donald Trump. Our special correspondent, Jamie Gangel, is joining us right now. Jamie, tell our viewers what you're learning. Let it rip, Jamie. What we have found out is, according to multiple sources, the January 6th committee has obtained phone records from a member of the Trump family. This is a first. Eric Trump as well as Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is engaged to Donald Trump Jr. Uh, as far as we know, this is the first time the committee has issued a subpoena targeting one of the Trump children. And it really underscores just how aggressive the committee is willing to be in its investigation. Now, just for some context, the records the committee has obtained... Why? They already have records. ...cell phone and a cell phone number Trump Jr. Gilfoyle. We've confirmed both numbers from multiple sources who know both Trump and Gilfoyle. Uh, for the record, Eric Trump declined to comment on the subpoena of his call records, but a source familiar with his thinking tells me, quote, he's not losing sleep over it. And an attorney... I would assume they know something then. She had not been notified of any subpoena being issued for her records, but... The attorney said, quote, it's of no consequence to her because she has absolutely nothing to hide or to be concerned about. And just the committee declined also to comment on the subpoena. Just for some context, what are call detail records? They're also known as CDRs. In effect, these are phone logs, text logs. In case of phone calls, it shows the date, the time. The length of incoming and outgoing. We're, we're late into this investigation. But it does they are not wrapping it up. The they know something. The content of those calls or messages. So it's more of a roadmap, Wolf. They absolutely know something. That's why they've submitted, like, I'm sure Eric has nothing to hide. He wasn't in on anything, but he's going to confirm something about his brother or his dad. 
That's what the phone records are going to show. Probably his brother, and that's why Gilfoyle was also subpoenaed. Reading from the Washington Monthly, I don't know about the source here. The author is Garrett Epps. I don't know who that is. We're reading about Project Veritas. We're already reading about a sketchy source. Getting ready to hear from James O'Keefe himself here in just a second. Are the courts getting ready to crack down on reporters? November 2nd, Project Veritas had sued the New York Times for defamation in its complaint. Uh, Its complaint was based on a September 29th investigative story by reportee Maggie Astor. A September 30th follow-up by media reporter Tiffany Husf. The stories referred to a Veritas report accusing the campaign of Representative Ilan Omar, a Democrat from Minnesota, of involvement in a supposed ballot harvesting scheme in Minneapolis's Somali-American community. The Times quoted the conclusion of academics who studied the disinformation of false news that the report was probably part of a coordinated disinformation effort. Veritas said the Times' story was part of a conspiracy by the newspaper and a left-leaning group of academics and college students to discredit the Veritas report by falsely labeling it deceptive. The complaint demanded damages for Veritas's legal fees as well as punitive damages for the article. On November 18th, Veritas filed a motion with the New York State Court hearing the defamation suit. This motion concerned a different story. Dated November 11th, it quoted from a series of memos written by Veritas by its lawyer, Benjamin Barr, outlining ways that its investigators could use deceptive means and false identities to compromise federal employees without running afoul of federal law. Oh, so he is de- he's developed a way to get around the law, basically, after uh, serving some time for tapping the phones. Senator Landu... Landrew. You pass over for the moment the irony of a suit by Veritas, which proudly specializes in reporters who assume false identities, surreptitiously uh, film their targets and then edit the video to maximize the harm to those targets against the nation's top newspaper. It's a bit like a medical ethics complaint filed by Hannibal Lecter against Anthony Fauci. Right now, we should focus on the unprecedented breadth of Wood's order. It temporarily bars the Times from further disseminating or publishing any plaintiff Project Veritas's privileged materials. What is stunning is that the order then goes further. Wood orders that the Times take down material it had already posted. And further, that the New York Times and its counsel shall cease further efforts to solicit or acquire other memos. Every prior restraint case I know of has concerned an order forbidding publication of information. The court ordering a news organization to stop reporting on a subject breaches new frontiers of judicial censorship. Making the order even more radical, the November 11th story was quoting memos prepared long before the Veritas lawsuit against the Times, meaning that the memos could in no way reveal Veritas's legal strategy in this particular case. Moreover, the memos were not obtained through court-ordered discovery. Instead, they were leaked by someone who had gotten them from the lawyers or Veritas itself. Leaks of this sort are common in coverage of controversial organizations like Veritas, there's no evidence that the Times itself committed any misconduct in obtaining them. 
Project Veritas is a fucking scam. All of them are scammers. I want to draw attention to this court case currently going on before we listen to James O'Keefe about propaganda. He was on the Tim Pool podcast last night, I believe. So fascinating about that, though, is so we're at the post-millennial. We, you know, I kind of think of us as the antidote to fear, right? We're not corporate. Uh, we're a small outlet. You know, Andy and I run stories there all the time. Um, and what's really interesting is that we're getting... Oh, do they have Andy and Yo too? ...activists who are saying that we Andy are Yo. aligned with specific interests. And Who's we're a not total defending the big outlets, the big corporate media outlets that are aligned with specific interests. And here we are just like... You know, covering news stories, covering what we think is interesting, trying to get the truth out there. And they attack us. Libby Emmons. Libby Emmons. For doing that. Well, Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post. This is O'Keefe. And after uh, Google and Facebook snatched up most of these advertising models. Had yeah, capitalism sucks, dude. Things been consolidated. Newspapers are gone. Investigative journalism is gone. ABC News cut their whole investigative bureau. And Jeff Bezos, in an extraordinary admission... Of the power of narrative amplified through big tech through his ownership, the Washington Post said, quote, on a Medium post, my ownership of the post is something I will be most proud of when I'm 90 and reviewing my life. Mm-hmm. Not his rocket, Dr. Evil rocket ship company, not his Washington, not, not his Amazon. You company. hate capitalism, dude. Post is his biggest achievement. And I found that really a amazing insight into the power of narrative. I think the Washington Post and the New York Times, I may be giving them too much credit, are more powerful than all three branches of government. Because governments, big tech doesn't do any journalism. They just prefer, what do you No, they don't. No, they don't. Uh, the Daily Wire had more engagement than the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, fuck it, fuck. Who was the other outlet? There was like one other like major media outlet that was included in that. Had more engagement than all three of those major outlets combined. What is this dude talking about? No, 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 no. That's no. part of his grift. You gotta, you gotta make the the New York Times is almost irrelevant at this point. Newspapers have been dying a slow and painful death for 30 fucking years in this country. So the idea that the New York Times is more powerful than government is just absurd. But that's part of this dude's grift. He's got to act like he's up against a big... It's a David and Goliath thing, that he's the little guy. He's up against this, this fucking big, powerful fucking company. Bullshit. What do you think? Wait, did Bezos say that before he became... Get off your cross, dude! With his wiener rocket? He's yeah. not yeah. proud of his wiener rocket? Yeah. I mean, so, although he was formulating that. But, but just one... How do you wear a shirt that says the media is a virus when you're part of the media, dude? How do you fucking... How do you, how do you fucking do that? You're totally part of the media. Fucking Tim Pool probably got more views than CNN, MSNBC combined last night. Let's go find out, shall we? 
Got 1.29 million subscribers. Okay, there's only 37,000 watching like his live show right now. Okay, I guess he takes down the live stream and then... There's a viral clip going... He's got a live stream on right now. Oh no, there it is, there it is. It got half a million views. The James O'Keefe, Andy Neo, and Libby Emmons, was that her name? Libby Emmons, got half a million views. That that might be comparable to what MSNBC had last night, honestly. What CNN had last night. They struggled to get about a million. Alright, are you guys ready to lose it? Are you ready to lose it? Because Dan Bongino says the left is going to lose it over his announcement. Now, apparently he has been banned on the YouTube. I, I wonder if he's going to get into that. Fucking media winch is like, ah, Dan Bongino been banned on YouTube. Uh, media winch, that's what, that's what he's, that's, he's wanting that. He's wanting that so he can play victim. He has some kind of fucking contract with another company. But here is Dan Bongino's major announcement that's going to make us leftists lose it. I'm really super excited to make this announcement today. Beyond excited. Uh, my company, Parallel Economy, uh, is now going to be announced this morning at 8 a.m. A partnership with Rumble. Rumble, the free speech alternative to YouTube. Oh, wow. Building an entirely censor-resistant ecosystem. The website didn't see that coming. What does it do? It is a payment processing platform. It is a payment processing platform that is cancel culture resistant. I'm asking you again, please. So you can do you can do your white supremacist fundraising on there and they're going to leave you alone. Please strongly consider getting away. ParallelEconomy.com. Go today. Many of you have asked what's going on with Align Pay. Wow. Always have to share with you. I have moved on from Align Pay. There's no ill will. I just wanted a new partner I felt could grow my business. So I took what I learned in payment processing from there, me and my partners. We moved on to a partnership with Rumble. We are building an entire ecosystem. So wherever you're processing your. I'm on Rumble. I'm humble. Justin freaking on Rumble. If you actually want to go there, I wouldn't recommend it. This new ecosystem. I throw all my shit up there. And I love the hate. I love the hate I get. See on the Rumble. I don't do as well as I do on BitChute. I I do a lot better on BitChute. I get a hell of a lot of hate on there. ParallelEconomy.com. Get away from Stripe. Hi, BitChute. If this gets clipped and you're watching right now. Stand us. Free speech ad. Hit me with your hate. I love it. I love it. Your payments with us. We are really. This was just an ad. We are building huge things. The left is going to lose it over his stupid ass ad. There's a big future ad. Thank you for your patience. That, that, That just goes to show you. That goes to show you that I was exactly right. Saying that all these, all these things about censorship. And, and cancel culture, and the fucking, the left is going to lose it. It's just marketing slogans. It's marketing. It's marketing. It gets clicks from their idiot-ass fucking viewers. That's all it is. 
You tickle their taint and make them feel under attack. The fear-mongering Tulsi Gabbard was talking about. Fuck, right-wingers are morons. Congratulations, Dan. Way to go, man. Yes, sir. I've had everybody here is surprised because I have to keep all this stuff quiet. They just found out today, too. So ParallelEconomy.com. Thank you for the kind words, Joe. It means a lot to us. Okay. Don't you find it awfully convenient? No, 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 no. You got banned on YouTube and you thought it was a good good time to launch your little product. That's what it was. That right after Joe Biden gave that speech... DirecTV booted OAN, a conservative network, from their platform. By the way, if you have DirecTV, dump them today. Today. Do not wait. I don't have DirecTV. That's, can- that's cancel me. culture. That's, that's not censorship. And that I will stick up for OAN, even though I work for Fox News. Honey, DirecTV owns a lot of shit just besides, like, the satellite service. Nah. That I get banned from YouTube. It's an AT&T subsidiary. I get suspended from YouTube. And you think that's all a coincidence right after Joe Biden demands it? Now, that is a First Amendment violation. Folks, they're terrified. Bullshit. Nicholas Ryman. Fox News' Dan Bongino leads conservative news resurgence on Facebook. They're terrified of me. They're terrified of me because I tell the truth, and me and a handful of others have managed... No, you feed idiots what they want to hear. You don't tell the truth. ...get you what you need to hear, despite their, their endless gaslighting efforts. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. I am... Oof. That was something. And I'm sure this is going to be something. Once again, thank you to Matt Walsh, who has given me the biggest bump of my uh, YouTube streaming career thus far. Go for a twofer with you. This was like a week ago. Apparently, he's upset that Brittany is able to act on her own now. Because Matt Walsh hates freedom. He is a theocratic fascist. Uh, I want to play this for you. Britney Spears is um, freed from her conservatorship. And that's good. happened about a month ago after this long public campaign to free her from her conservatorship. Lots of people joined and there were, there were rallies and there were, you know, activists. It, it, is, it is clear that her family was incredibly abusive towards this her. Was yes. That, that somehow uh, crossed both ideological lines and people on the left and right they were together in this thing we got a free britney spears now one thing that i know general principle here is that um you know if you hear the left calling for something then you know it's almost certainly wrong but then when the other side agrees most of the time you know that it must really be wrong and that i think and she spent the last month, I guess, just posting naked uh, videos on Instagram and kind of rambling incoherently. Who cares? Let her. She looks like she's having a blast. Got no problem with her fucking 
showing as much ass as she wants. I follow her on Instagram. Clearly demonstrating that she's a, a very mentally disturbed person. Well, her sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, has been talking about her own experiences. She wrote, she wrote a book, apparently, uh, trying to capitalize on all of this. But she it, it did an interview a couple days ago where she recounted... Sir, sir, dancing naked does not show that you have... What did he say? Experiences. She wrote, she wrote a book, apparently, oh. naked uh, videos on Instagram and kind of rambling incoherently, clearly demonstrating that she's a... a Dancing naked does not make you a mentally disturbed person. Neither does ranting incoherently, which you do every fucking day and get paid big money for it. Very mentally disturbed person. Well, her sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, has been talking about her own experiences. She wrote, she wrote a book, apparently, uh, trying to capitalize on all of this. But she it, it did an interview a couple days ago where she recounted just one of the disturbing episodes that, that she recalls from when she was a kid with uh, Britney Spears. And uh, here, here she describes one. Let's listen to that. You describe an incident where Brittany takes a knife, is, says she's scared, and locks you and herself into a room. Why did you want to include that in the book? Because, first off, I think that it's very... Because it was sensational and you would interview her about it. Sometimes I think she's trying to make money. Um, feel in those moments is important but also it's important to remember that i was a kid in that moment i was scared that was an experience i had that's just one story locked in a room with this raving lunatic with a knife i mean who, who knows she, she was apparently just paranoid and, and psychotic and and hallucinating um and this was my point all along with the with the Britney Spears conservative. Or was a pageant kid and was under incredible pressure all the fucking time. On the right, this this became a, a cause as well, a banner that they were marching under. They got to free Britney Spears from a conservatorship. And my point all along was, what what are you people basing this on? What are you talking that about? That she wants to be free. No, she should not be under conservatorship. How do you know that? Well, you don't know that, her. that she would no, that she was clearly she was clearly uh, mentally capable enough to go out and perform and make these assholes money. But she couldn't fucking use her own money or make her own decisions. So she deserved to be free. Because what the paparazzi did to her in the mid-2000s, even I, after like uh, hearing the real story of what actually happened to Britney Spears, I feel sorry for dogpiling on her in the mid-2000s. What happened to her was disgusting. Like, there, there are a lot of famous uh, pop stars and celebrities out there, and most of them are not under conservatorships. It's not like this is some sort of far-reaching conspiracy where, it, it like, it, of course, this is framed in, like, a patriarchal way, and it's because she's a woman. And He's an idiot. Of- Matt, you're a fucking idiot. Not under conservatorships. This one is... And maybe it's wrong, maybe it's unjust, but the most probably logical assumption is that there's a reason why she's been singled out. Then when you consider that she lost custody of her kids, which is almost impossible. So her dad could make money. Did you did you do your research? You something is very, very wrong. And she was judged uh, you know, a danger to her own children. And yet all these people based on nothing. They saw a documentary on Netflix or HBO or whatever. Oh my was, god. And decided based on that that we got to release her from the conservatorship. 
for all you people know, she is a clear and present danger to herself and others. For all you know. For all you know, she's not. You're an idiot. You saw a 90-minute propaganda film and just decided you didn't need to know anything about her psychological profile. You didn't know anything about what's going on behind the scenes in her own life. You have no idea. But I, be- I believe that's what the documentaries were. There were multiple. Reading, you know They're what? My prediction. That's what they were about. And I hope I'm wrong about this, but like something, she, she's going to hurt herself or, she, and she, or, or someone else or both. Okay, I, I I will be surprised. Basing that on what, Matt? In five years. So, congratulations on your victory there. That was absolutely disgusting. I'm stunned. I was expecting some bullshit, but wow. By the way, I hate I hate being wrong about things. And the other day when. He said I looked like Randy Savage if Randy Savage could only bench press 45 pounds. I've been trying my best to find pictures since I can't find what his weight and height is. I've been trying to find pictures that I could actually determine how big Matt Walsh is because I said I said I could bench press him. So I wanted to make sure I was correct in what I said. Here's the best picture that I could find. Of Matt Walsh, where I'm pretty sure that's a short, skinny little fuck that I could indeed bench press. I'm not exactly, maybe, maybe I only have an inch or two on him. I come up above the, the hood of my stove. So I assume I'm taller than him. I don't know. The cabinets look a little low. And the the window a little low. Once again, I'm not sure. I can't really tell. I couldn't... I tried to find pictures of him standing next to like a Ben Shapiro, a Charlie Kirk. Nope, nope. Couldn't find him. Could hardly find any pictures of him standing, any full body shots. So I'm assuming he is incredibly self-conscious about his body. So I stand behind my statement. I could bench press you, Matt Walsh. And fuck your bullshit about Britney Spears. Let's stay in the pop world. Is Post Malone a conservative? I hate to hear it because I like Posty. I wore out that fucking Spider-Man song. From uh, Into the Spider-Verse, like, fuck it, uh, hey, hey, hey. I like like a lot of posts, like, fuck it, I watched, uh, not this New Year's, but the last New Year's. He did a a concert, and like, that 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 was the best live music on New Year's. But I saw a bunch of right wing sites sharing out this video of Post Malone, and I don't know what he says. Well, let's find out. Biggest lie, well, yeah, it would have to be the fucking U.S. government, actually. Ooh. Ooh. Give me it. No, I'm serious. In in what way, Posty? Like, you've got to be specific. 
Um, the biggest lies the U.S. government, um, it's not what it used to be. It used to be so sick and about the people and about freedom and all that shit, but now it's just bullshit. Have you read a history book? Oh my god! What? It used to be about freedom, it used to be about being for the people. What time period, post? Please tell me what time period, and I will show you where you are wrong. Now it's a fucking reality show, and uh, I think... So clearly, Posty doesn't know what he's talking about. In our lifetime and within our generation, that that really changes the, the way of the world. So move somewhere, because whenever martial law is declared, you have fucking... Or whenever the credit cards fail, whenever you're cards fail whenever your banks fail and you can't use your fucking card anymore you have three days to get out of where you are because that's when they're coming for you that's the big move that's checkmate right there and they think they who move out to the country get your scraps stand up for yourself build a tower build a long road to where you can see them coming don't give up america america Posty, that didn't make any fucking sense. Government used to be sick back when it was suppressing, you know, the vote of black people. Segregation. He is, uh, I would say, the best-known mumble rapper? Is that a correct assessment, chat? I'm tell- I like Post Malone an awful lot. I listen to a lot of Post Malone songs. So, uh, makes me really sad. You know what makes me feel better after I've been sad? Labradors. Labradors make me feel better. These are some cute-ass Labradors. <laughs> Grumble cakes. Post Malone is probably best known for song Rockstar or the the Spider-Man song. Uh, I don't even remember what the name of it was. It's from the the cartoon one, the Into the Spider-Verse. Sunshine? No, that wasn't it. Something like that. I just, I... Let me talk to Post Malone. I'll straighten him out. Tell me the time period you think the government of the U.S. is sick, and I'll tell you what the government was doing at that time, Posty, because it wasn't sick. See what Radical Maniac is doing tonight. If you're watching on Twitch, you're heading over to Radical Maniac. Patrick was playing video games. That's where I was going to send him, Sparkles. I was saying, if he if he been created, oh, maybe you were responding to me. Patrick creates. If you do want to check him out sometime, go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We will see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol live.